Alfonso Margiotta ed è finita la Salernitana torna in Serie A aprite le porte è tornato in paradiso aprite le porte la Salernitana è tornata in paradiso Unione Sportiva Salernitana 1919, commonly referred to as Salernitana, is an Italian club based in Salerno, Campania. We felt the need to highlight them this week as all the signs are pointing towards their relegation this season and you don't know what you have until you've lost it, quite frankly. Um, Salernitana's Serie A promotion in 2021 was their first in 23 seasons and it was earned through a second place finish behind Dionisi's dominant Empoli. Due to the fact that Salernitana was owned by Claudio Lotito, who also happens to own Lazio, they were at risk of facing automatic relegation as Serie A prevents the ownership of more than one club. What followed was a dramatic last-second takeover by Italian businessman Dalino Danilo Lervolino, who purchased the club for 10 million euros. It is reported that Lotito was hoping to get at least 70 million for the club as he allegedly invested <laughs> 42 million into the club he bought back in 2011 when they had gone bankrupt and fallen to Serie D. Fabrizio Castori was the man who managed Salernitana back to Serie A but was dismissed after a 2-1 loss to Spezia which left the Granata sitting at the bottom of the table earlier this season. Stefano Colantuono was named his successor but has since been sacked for Davide Nicola. Salernitana originally wore light blue and white striped shirts chosen to represent the sea of Salerno. It was in the 1940s that the club changed its colours to garnet coloured shirts. In 2011 they wore striped blue and deep red kits, similar to Barcelona. The symbol of St. Matthew, patron saint of Salerno, was also part of the redesigned kit. Salernitana may not be a top side, their greatest achievements being their Serie titles won in 1946 and in 1997. Be that as it may, their fans are some of the most loyal, creative and passionate supporters in Italy. They are known as the Curva Sud Siberiano. The stadium stand is now named after one of the most iconic representatives of the ultras seen in Salerno, Carmine Rinaldi, nicknamed Siberiano, who tragically died in 2010. He was one of the most important personalities of the Curva and also in the Italian football scene. Hello and welcome back to Say A Spotlight episode 28 with your hosts Jake and Matt. If you're new here, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Play. We'd love it if you guys could rate us five stars wherever you're listening from and follow us on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok for more fun. We look forward to hearing from you guys. So this week, Matthew was the winner of the prediction series with the score of 8-4. It is a total of 8-5 as it stands and I still have the lead. Are you confident? Are you still co- are you confident? I'm always confident. I'm always confident. I think that I'm always close no matter what. I think I'm always a goal off or I have the right idea in mind. So I think I might get you. You think you might get me? I think I might get you. Yeah, there's still 11 games or 10 games 10 to go. Games, and think, ten, yeah. 10 games to go and that's potentially what? Like six wins for me. If I, oh, that's still not enough. Yeah, I, I want to win like four with four games to go, you know. 
That's my objective. All right, what you want a guard of honor from me, bro? What's this? I want that star on my kid, bro. Okay, like I have in Fanta and you don't. Exactly. 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 Brilliant. Yes. Okay. Now we're on the same page. It was an action-packed week, guys. Um, I had just had surgery, so I spent the whole week weekend rather on the sofa um, watching the games and it was very enjoyable to be honest with you <laughs> i didn't have surgery and i did the exact same thing yeah. as jake by my side baby <laughs> um yeah uh, there was a reshuffle at the top of course once again milan taking the the lead now last week it was napoli who went up to first you yeah. know it's changing every week the best league in the world right now guys 100 percent. and we'd love to take you guys through how things actually went down again, just like we did last week. So we'll start off by introducing the Inter game, and then we'll get into the Milan-Napoli game, even though, obviously, Milan-Napoli is the bigger bigger game. game, Well, Napoli-Milan in this case. But we'll kick it off with Inter 5, Salernitana 0. So the previous encounter was also a 5-0 victory for Inter. Inter are coming off a four-game winless streak in Serie A, and Lautaro came into this game failing to score in seven hours of play, and Inter hadn't scored in three matches either, so a bit of a crisis here for the Nerazzurri. Salernitana, on the other hand, were coming off four draws, which, let's be real, is very, very good for Salernitana, and this, of course, includes the 2-2 draw to Milan, which was ever impressive for them. Um, Perisic was injured for Inter, as Darmian played his part as a makeshift left-back, as Gossens is still making appearances off the bench until he finds full fitness. Salernitana were missing Schiavone, Ribéry, Ciappezzi, Koulibaly, Fiorillo, and Stramberg. We've seen these names there, basically, for the entirety of the yeah. of the season um, so to take you through the play by play so basically Barella and Lautaro were linking up very well from the start of the game there was a long ball by the Italian in the, in the opening minutes uh, which found the Argentine who smacked the ball into the crossbar on, on a volley um, this was a sign of things to come as in the 22nd minute a clever ball by Barella found Lautaro who finished cleanly ending his drought of seven goalless hours his last goal came against Salernitana as well in the 5-0 victory last December. Pretty crazy. Shortly after, in the 40th minute, Barella once again found Lautaro with another great ball and the Argentine once again made no mistakes, slotting past Sepe, and that was his 50th Serie A goal of his career. In the 56th minute, Lautaro sealed his hat-trick after firing into the roof of the net after a low cross by Zeko. In the 65th, Zeko added his name to the score sheet after Robin Gossen squared the ball to him. The German registering his first contribution in black and blue. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> See what I did there. Very clever. In the 69th minute, what? What? Zeko grabbed his second and Inter's fifth after finishing cleanly in a counter-attack with a great ball by Dumfries in this, in this uh, sequence. The goal was disallowed and then re-allowed after a VAR check. So... An absolute trashing uh, Friday and this Friday night game to open this this match day 28. You can say that it was an easy game for Inter, but isn't this the same Salernitana side that held Milan? Like, what the fuck? Yes, no, no, you're, you're absolutely right. This was by no means meant to be an easy game on paper, but Inter came in with the right mentality. You know, they got mm-hmm. going early on um, and they just rode that wave. You know, Salernitana were forced to open up and Inter really abused them because of that. Um, it, could, it could have gone differently. Um, Verdi had a chance very early on. No, right Salern- in front of the goalkeeper, you know, and he, he skied it, I believe. Um, yeah. He should have done much better over there, of course. But 
goes to show that explains the trajectory of his career quite quite well. In my yeah, opinion. that was that was the sequence where where Juric held the ball up. I think he yeah. should have gone for it himself, but he held it up, squared the ball in the middle, and Verdi was just always leaning back. And it wasn't the perfect pass as well. He, he gave it yeah. straight to him rather than just in front of him. So it took some adjusting for the Italian. Um, these are the games where players can end droughts, gain confidence and get minutes. You know, yes. when you're 3-0 up in the opening few minutes, then that's normally how it, how it tends to go. This was certainly the case for Lautaro and Barella. So yeah. Barella registering two assists over there. Um, Martinez obviously bagging a hat-trick as well. These games are so significant because once Lautaro gets a hat-trick, you know, they play... Juve, for example, in a couple of match days' time, then they have an on-form Lautaro all of a sudden after yeah. he scored three against Salernitana. It's good for their Champions League aspirations as well, you know, having Lautaro just score a hat-trick. Um, but you're right, you're absolutely right. Barella and Lautaro looked pretty much like a shadow of their, of their mm. former selves, you know, and this game really helped them out. Even Gossens, you know, who's just arrived, got his first assist in there, you know, it's definitely... Definitely good for them. Yeah. Uh, when Barella didn't assist in this game, he played the ball to the assister. Yeah. So on all five <laughs> goals, he got two assists. And on three occasions, yeah. he played the ball through to the, the pre assist. Yeah, yeah the, the, the pre-assist, which I think that tends to orchestrate a goal. You know what I mean? He finds for a sure. player in space, the player finds another player, and, and that's, that's, that's the goal. That's the dirty work, the shit that goes unnoticed, for sure. Exactly, exactly. And, and to be honest, I think that's exactly what, what Inter did well in this game. You know, Salernitana do bring that dirty side of, of football to the top teams. That's yeah. how they're going to get points at the end of the day. I think what Inter did well is that they instantly went for the attack. There was no feel-out process whatsoever. They just done mm-hmm. Salernitana. I think Milan, for example, sometimes they tend to feel out the game. It's a bit of a slow start with some exceptions like last season, that early Leao goal against Sassuolo. Um, But Inter just went straight for it, man, and they really shocked Salernitana. There was no way Salernitana were coping with Inter's firepower. That's true. Um, Inter were confident, they were sure in their ability, and they they got the job done. You know, Milan, on the other hand, were very um, anxious, almost in possession against Salernitana, very indecisive defensively yeah. as well. They, you know, you saw Manian rushing off his line, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's the thing. Inter were level-headed. Milan weren't, and Milan were punished, and Inter managed to, you know, get a confidence boost for half their team. Yeah. basically. and their hands were scratching as they went top with their competitors. Milan and Napoli set to face each other. Every Interista in the world hoping for a draw, probably yeah. at least. That's what. <laughs> I would be doing if I were an Inter fan. Inter players obviously celebrating having their weird ice baths together. And they had to wait until Sunday night at 8.45 to see what was going to happen between their rivals Napoli and Milan. Take it away, bro. So we're going to Naples right now where Milan beat Napoli 1-0. Coming into this game, Milan had only won one of their last 14 Serie A meetings against Napoli. This was the 3-1 away from home win in November 2020. This was Pioli's first ever win over Spalletti. And that's seven unbeaten on the trot for Milan. Napoli lined up with their usual 4-2-3-1 formation with a double pivot of Ruiz and Lobotka and Politano getting the nod. Um, out wide on the right with Zielinski and Insigne and Ozyman up front. Uh, Milan played kind of a 4-3-3 formation. Mm-hmm. What do you think that was, bro? It was like a 4-1-4-1, a 4-3-3. It, it, it did start off as a 4-3-3, like nothing inc- incredibly different for Milan, but it was the way that they were changing into a 4-1-4-1 throughout the yeah. game that, that interested me. 
Definitely. Um, it was Kalulu who started at centre back after Romagnoli's injury in the Coppa Italia. Um, Kalulu had come on against Inter, wow. and that game kept a clean sheet. And played against Napoli, they got another clean sheet. What a player! We'll talk about him later on. It was Kessi, Tonali, and Benasser in the middle, and Giroud was flanked by Leao and Messias up front. Now the first half was kind of scrappy and cautious. Um, there was just one shot on target from Leao, and it wasn't even that spectacular. You can tell both teams were being very careful over here. Um, the first five minutes of the second half were more action-packed than the entire first half. In fact, it was in the 49th minute that um, Calabria's wayward shot fell to Giroud, who finished instinctively. Um, about this goal, man, this might not seem like a very good goal at first. It might seem like a lucky goal. Mm-hmm. But if you watch Giroud in the replay, you know, the way he hops onside at the yeah, last it's, second. It's crazy. His, his instinct yeah. is just ridiculous in those areas, man. It's incredible. That's, that stuff can't be taught, man. No, Literally. absolutely not. It was a cagey affair, of course. There were nine yellow cards and Napoli were picking up momentum at the end. But thankfully... Um, the final whistle went and Milan took three points home. Now, mm-hmm. talking points, bro. Um, Pioli's 4-3-3 in-game totally dismantled Napoli, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, we often praise Ruiz and Lobotka over here. We, we often say that they're fantastic in that double pivot and they can dominate any game. But this was not the case. Um, they were absolutely neutralized. What, what were your thoughts? I think that Milan having Kessi further up the pitch, so in that you know attacking midfield role, mm-hmm. I think that put a lot of pressure on their two midfielders, on on Lobotka and Ruiz. You know, he brought that physicality to the source of their play. Their source, all their balls come from Lobotka and Ruiz constantly through, throughout throughout this campaign. Be it Demme, Lobotka or or Anguissa playing, it is the player alongside Ruiz that kind of starts the play. Um, from that midfield and having Kessie over there dispossessing them was yeah. essential it was crucial he bullied Fabian he did he did yeah. Fabian had had a terrible performance the poor yeah. guy um, but yeah then then what, what was also weird about having Kessie in that position which obviously we've seen time and time again this season um, was that when Giroud was bringing the ball down for the player behind him there's normally that touch of Brian yeah, Diaz yeah, yeah, yeah. that was missing there would, you know, it would hit the leg of Kessie and it'd have to do some running or, you know, one of the wingers like Messias or Leao had to come in and kind of get the scraps over there. Yeah, definitely not as fluid without Brahim over there. Yeah. At least Brahim when he's on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Giroud's first away goal, bro. Insane. And what, what well, an important... Well, yeah. He's, he did okay. score away to Inter, yeah. but it's still his San home. Siro, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> Um, what an important goal it was, though. Um, Giroud has granted Milan six points ahead of their direct league contenders in Napoli and Inter, of course, with his brace against Inter. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget to mention that 20 minutes into the game, Giroud had an open wound and was really struggling with the pain. He was bleeding out. You know, he's he's a hero, man. You know, everyone thought he was going to get subbed off at that point, but he just went into halftime, you know, stitched that shit up. Went out and now my French bulldog is going to be called Oli. <laughs> I have no idea how he stayed on. That gash looked terrible. It like. looked really bad, yeah. It was bleeding so much. Yeah, in fact, he had a, he had a massive ice pack on for ages. And, and you know, would, would a gash like that normally put someone in doubt for starting a game? I, I would Not think for starting, so. but the fact that you're bleeding out. You know, typically you can't play if any of your clothes are bloodstained. But nowadays they have all these creams and these gels, you know, they can stitch you up very quickly. So... Mm. So that was the case. And thankfully, he stayed on and he was the deciding factor. He was so good, man. He, so he good. was brilliant for the entirety of the game. Yes. And, and I think it was Oli Fisher that pointed out, and, and I adored this comment. It was that Giroud doesn't rush 
trying to find a goal. He's just yeah. there waiting for the perfect opportunity. He's like that counter puncher if you yeah. were if you were a if you were a boxer. Um, he he just waits, waits for the perfect opportunity. He exactly. waits for the perfect opportunity. He knows that he's gonna be well positioned when the opportunity comes, and he's got a decent finish on him. The man exactly. as well. Definitely. That's that's a very good observation. That that's the difference between a mature striker and a young one, right? Yeah. He knows that he's gonna get a chance and he'll take it when it comes. Exactly. Um Aussie man on the other hand, bro, I have to say he's a demon. Yeah. He's a terrifying opponent. He's a fucking asshole at times, man. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get the high praise and the parallels that have been drawn. Um, you know, people comparing him to kind of Holland saying that he's a very similar modern mm. striker. I do think he's a very similar modern striker. I think he's a type of striker you can play him the ball at the halfway line and he'll just charge you know yeah he's kind of mobile he's strong he's tall he has a he's great at finishing mm-hmm. you know he can do it all he's a complete striker Ozyman. yeah i agree we'll see Ozyman in the top leagues for the next 10 yeah. years i would say he's, he's very talented he's willing to to put in the work as well there's no doubt about that he gets a lot of dirty work done as well i think he did the majority of the work for napoli towards the end where it seemed like milan pretty much controlled this game now yeah. to control a game i don't believe that you need over 60 percent ball possession 10 yeah. to 20 shots out shooting your opponents it is who controls the tempo of exactly the game. exactly milan were controlling the tempo of the game and napoli couldn't take that off milan even with their 60 percent ball possession exactly what was Ozzyman doing about it. He was riling <laughs> Milan's players up. He was trying to piss them off, trying to get them to make a mistake or to speed up the tempo so that Napoli can catch them on a break. That's what they needed, man. And that's, that's why true. he's there. Exactly. Um, and it was Milan's formation that completely neutralized Ozzyman by not targeting him, you know? Yeah. Um, they targeted Lobotka and Ruiz and therefore his supply was completely cut out. In fact, they were opting for long balls over the top to Ozzyman and mm-hmm. no problem for Kalulu and Tomori. You know, they can do the running all day. Yeah. And in fact, I think they only got in... They got in 1v1s with, with Ozzyman twice. And mm. to be honest, he did put them in a bit of trouble twice. Nah, but they, they dealt it. with it, yes. He's going to put any centre-back in, in trouble. But like you're saying, um, Milan really managed to neutralise those two midfielders. And it was similar to kind of the Atalanta game that we saw earlier on in the in the season where Milan really, they were attacking the, the Froilers and the Deroons. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like that totally neutralised Muriel and Zapata in the process. For sure, for sure. Um, I want to highlight once again Kalulu, man. The guy is starter quality. Definitely, man. He's, there, there's absolutely no reason that he shouldn't be in the starting 11. I think when Kier isn't fit, he's, he's a better fit than Romagnoli. Any day of the week, mm-hmm. I know Romagnoli mm-hmm. will get the nod because he's technically Milan's captain. Yes. And that's the only reason he will get the nod. Uh, but Kalulu has just matured brilliantly into a centre-back, man. 1.1 million. The mind and the eye of Moncada, bro. What a scout he is. Um, you know, again, so we have this issue coming into the next season. You know, Romagnoli is leaving. Kier is going to be coming back from his ACL injury. At the Botman, age of, what, 35, like? 34, I think. I'm mm. not even sure. Um, what's his name is coming in Botman most likely mm. so at this point so you have okay Botman isn't going to sit on the bench if you're bringing him for like no, 40 no, minutes no. You know, so it's going to be Botman Tomori starting together mm-hmm. and then you're going to have Kier on the bench mm-hmm. right and then you're going to have Kalulu as a fourth choice it's kind of harsh no considering it, the performances he's putting out it is harsh but to get more minutes than that I anticipate yeah. that Florenzi will be gone for example and he'll be used mm. a lot as a, as a right back that was my next point because naturally Kalulu is meant to be a right back and mm-hmm. he said himself that he's more comfortable playing as a right back mm-hmm. um, 
In that case, I wouldn't redeem Florenzi. No, I wouldn't redeem Florenzi either. Yeah. I wouldn't redeem Florenzi. In, can, if if, if that is the scenario, if, if Botman is coming to Milan and, and Kier is back fit and Romagnoli leaves, I wouldn't renew Florenzi, save myself yeah. some Dalla, and I would, I would hang on to, to Kalulu. Yeah. And I think Kalulu has a future at the club, man. Normally, Kalulu is the type of player that gets flipped after a couple of seasons, you know, bought for yeah, 1.1 yeah, yeah. million. Could potentially sell him for 15 down the line, but I really enjoy having him at, at this Milan. rate. Yeah. The, the ceiling is higher than that, I think. But I don't want to take anything away from Florenzi's performances, especially as of late. He's been very good. He's been yeah. a mature, very good option for the squad. I think recently, since Calabria has come back from injury, he's even looked better than Calabria. But we all yeah. know then how good Calabria is normally. He's just finding his feet again. But Florenzi is a great player and, and he will move to another Serie A team and he'll probably start. Yes, yes, most, most likely. European champion and all that. Yeah. Um, Calabria played a very bad game, actually, in my opinion. He played really poorly, but then he got the assist, so, you know, we exactly. forget it. Did you end up getting that assist on Fantacalcio for him? I, I the, didn't. You didn't? I didn't. That I don't is know why. fucking I don't mayhem. Know. It, because it, it took a deflection. It. it took a deflection. That's, that's yeah. why. But, you know... That's, that's an assist any day of the week, in my opinion. 100%. In my opinion, bro, this was Theo Hernandez's best defensive performance to date. His tackling was so good and he was Spot tracking on back was. so well. Wow, he like. wasn't doing any unnecessary bullshit. Well, he did once. Uh-huh. He carried the ball for a bit too long at the back, but it was totally successful. But then he but, won the foul, right? Yeah, then he won the foul. <coughs> he always does that. Quite high up the field as well. Um, Listen to these stats. Okay. He had 100% shot accuracy, 100% take-ons completed, 100% aerial duels won, 7 duels won, 4 crosses, 3 chances created, the most in the game, 2 tackles made, 2 fouls won, and 1 big chance created to Salamakers at the end, along with 0 fouls given Mm -hmm. away. That is a legendary performance. The shot on target that that he got, I don't know if it was one or or multiple shots on target that that he got, but it was from a tight angle. It was. And he really managed to force Ospina into a good save over there. He forced a corner out of nothing. Exactly. The the man goes to war. The man goes to war. And and sometimes I could criticize him for that. (laughs) But in big games like this, the game against Inter, the game against Roma, the game against Napoli, and, and the big games to come, bro, the... The game against Juve, the game against Atalanta, the game against Lazio. These are all games that still need to come. And having Theo Hernandez yeah. in the team gives me a sigh of relief. He's Definitely. suspended for the next one, I Against believe. Empoli, yes. Against Empoli, yeah. So, <laughs> Balatore? Oh, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> to be honest, I think, again, like what we've seen from Balatore is not great at all. He doesn't look very good. But, no. <laughs> but we haven't really seen much of him, you know. Like, when we first I've saw Rebic, he was shit. Uh, that's you true, but I've seen enough but, of Balatore. No, no, yeah. like... He obviously needs more time, yeah. but the thing is, Pioli really hasn't been giving him that. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Florenzi at left back. For, for, that's what I was going to say, Calabria at left back or Florenzi at left back. Probably exactly. the way like, forward. you know, the, the guy needs game time. Yeah. God knows the ring rust he has. And then, well, it, it is a game against Empoli at the end of the day, but, you know, no opponent's an easy opponent. And having, uh, having an off-form and rusty fucking Balotore is a recipe for disaster. Yes. So towards the end of the game, bro, um, Theo Hernandez was charging and charging and charging, played a perfect ball to Salamakers, who had all the time in the world, all the space in the world, was right in front of Ospina, and he decided to take it first time instead of taking a touch and just skied it. Mm -hmm. Thoughts? The thought is he needs to brush up his finishing. You can't be a right winger and not contribute. You know, the, the man is great. He has a great work ethic on his day. He's brilliant. 
in this game particularly when he came on there was a real spark about him he yeah. did the step overs and, and skipping past players and those runs off the ball and the one twos but man the contribution part of his game is just totally off he really needs to improve that area I think if he doesn't improve it he's going to be a comfortable second choice for Milan for the foreseeable future probably like man. that was a like I think come on Yes, you have I to know, test the know, keeper I from know. that range, man. That was fucking horrendous. And I'm a Salamakers apologist by nature. I love <laughs> I love Salamakers. I think his work rate is fantastic. I think his his technique is amazing mm. as well. He's, a He's way more than Borini. I've seen yeah. many Twitter heads calling him a <laughs> calling him a glorified Borini. Yeah, my ass. He just works hard like Borini, but he's way more technical, of 100%. course. But f- moments like that just go to show that he's not ready yet. And we certainly should not count him as a starter next season. He should be a bench yeah. a bench option. Yeah. Um for sure. Fuck me, man! You can't miss. You can't miss no, like no, that. that you know? That's it's bro, terrible. Like, that, that and, and that is... would have been the perfect opportunity for him to build some confidence, for him to go under the curva. You know, you could have imagined exactly how it was. I could have ran straight to the fans. You know, they were like, <laughs> you can imagine the picture and everything. But like, no, man, that wasn't it. No, it, terrible, terrible. You need to hit the targets from there. That that's the the least we could ask for. So I have two points to talk about before we move on, and they're both about Kessie. Okay. Okay. So the first thing is the fact that he's getting the armband. You know, when when Calabria went off, the fact that Kessie got the captain's armband was shambolic, in my we, opinion. We discussed Again, this. Every fucking week. Every time this guy gets the armband, I wonder, do Milan have any self-respect? The, the answer would be no in that case, man. They either know something that we don't. Probably it, not. He's not renewing. He's, he's, he's not renewing. And, and like you pointed out in the last episode, there is a man at left back who is one of the best left-backs in the world. Yes. He's the one of the best players in the team, if not the He's best. He's just renewed He's his contract renewed until 2026. Until 2026. Fucking give the man the give arm. Him the He's arm been there for two, three this, seasons already. This blind well. fucking conformity to seniority is disgusting. Like. No, man, it's, it's, it's absolute bullshit. You can't have a captain that's leaving, that's on his way out, on a free. Yeah, you could make, make the same point about Insignia, for example, but at least Insignia, born and raised in Naples. Insignia has given long... everything he has to Exactly, to exactly. And, and, Kessie and, has given one great season, three okay ones at most. Like. He's been good, he's been very good, especially last season and even the season before. He was great yes. and he really grew at Milan. But Milan owe him fucking nothing. We don't exactly. owe him the, the captain's arm. What do you mean, Kessie, with the captain's arm? And what do you mean? Disgusting. What are you talking Disgusting. about? Kessie um, with the yeah. armband. The second point was, um, you know, he can shield the ball really well at the end. But <laughs> 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 well, I'm sure that tomorrow you can. I love that <laughs> shit, though. I have to say, like, the second it's like the 89th minute and Kessie has the ball in the corner, I'm like, we won. Yes, yes, we yes, won. yes. It's, it's finished. And he yes. just keeps winning corner exactly. after corner, corner after exactly. corner. And they just play short, you know, there's four players pushing him and he's just there, like, spidering, you know. So like, stunts stretched out. Like, at the end of the day, let's be real, how do you replace that? No, I mean, there are qualities of his game that are irreplaceable. His strength, his physicality, you know, that's irreplaceable. But, but you know, we, we have seen players put in a shift that was adequate. Yeah. You know, you don't need to pay 6.5 million a year in that position. You don't even need to pay... You don't need to pay 8. He wants 8. What's he asking for? 8 yeah, million? He's asking for 8. We offered him 6.5. I'm happy he isn't taking it, to be honest. Yeah. Because, you know, you bring in Renato Sanchez 6. if he stays healthy. That's a, that's a good replacement. You know, Pobega, for example... Uh, 
that's that's less wages and a player who has quite the eye for goal as well. Mm. Quite, quite a good player. As it stands, I'm really looking forward to seeing Paul Berga, man. I'm same here, really, same really, I'm just really hoping they don't forward. flip him for the plus Valencia. Hey, hey, man, hey. Fuck it. Um, there were also two penalty calls, which we will not be discussing. In my opinion, they were they both could have been given. They would have both been soft, to be honest. But they would have been way too harsh. Yeah, they would have been too one harsh. one on um, on Benasse when Koulibaly fouled yeah, him, exactly. and another one towards the end of the game. Uh, no, not towards the end of the game. It was Tomori on Oziman in the second half, I believe. I, I don't believe any of them were penalties. I think you could you could have given he. Both of them with VAR could have been given. You slow those actions down, they're given. Eh, but, but maybe not. Because, for example, the, the Koulibaly on Ben Asser one. Mm. Like, Koulibaly stood still. He didn't stretch but a leg out. He, nothing of the sort. He didn't stand still. He moved towards him. He just put his hands in the air. Making it look like he was, he was backing off. But in reality, he, he did trip him. You know? Now, in my opinion, again, that is, that is um, harsh. You know, it would have been harsh to give, but mm-hmm. you know, he could. We've seen similar penalties be given. No, we've we've seen them given. Eh? We we have seen them given. And, and the, the classic consistency and and all that. And with VAR, in my opinion, that Tomori one on Insignia oh on Oziman, sorry, would have been would have been given one hundred percent without a shadow of a doubt. For yeah, sure. but it's 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 Orzato. He finds every reason to fucking screw Milan over, and yeah. I'm just glad he didn't this time exactly. round. So thanks. Oh, one thing I would yes. like to highlight. Please. Pioli's balls have expanded yes. and that could be a massive contributor to the decisions that are taken against Milan. I feel like a lot of decisions go against Milan and they don't for teams like Inter with Simone and Zaghi, Napoli with Spalletti, Juve with Allegri. You're talking about... Because these the... are the fucking managers yeah. that will get in the ref's face, that will get in the line's face. They don't fucking fuck me over. And they all get set up the Roma with Mourinho... They all get yes. sent off, they all get yellow cards, and I was happy to see Pioli get a yellow card. For in this sure, game, for sure. He was being super vocal, and you need to be like that. You need to put some pressure on the referee. He makes one call that's fucking off, you put pressure on him, you know? Exactly. He's going to be careful after that, you know? And I feel like that was a contributing factor to him not giving the Tomori challenge later on. He was so like, men you know, oh. Yeah, exactly. So men oh. Exactly. So men oh in it. So Milan climbed to first with 60 points, three Woo-hoo! points clear of Napoli, who sit in third. Oh! So the next game we're going to be covering is Juve 1, Spezia 0. So I'm covering the Spezia game today because Jake couldn't stop complaining for the past two weeks that he kept on having to talk about Spezia. In the previous encounter, Juve fought back from 2-1 down to win 3-2. It was that game where Antist had found the net for his one and only goal for Spezia thus far. Um, this time, however, Juve missed McKenny, Bonucci, Chiellini, Sandro, Zakaria, Chiesa, De Cilio, Caio George and Dybala all through injury. This, leaves, this makes Inter the only team to not have stru- suffered like a big... Injury crisis in the top five. Napoli have been through it. Rome have been through it. Milan have been through it. Atalanta have been going through it this entire season. Um, Juve going through it now and Inter living life, loving life. Vlaovic led the line up front alongside Morata and Quadrado, while the midfield three was formed by Rabiot, Locatelli and Arthur, and the back four of Danilo, Delict, Rugani and Pellegrini, with Szczesny in goal. So in the 21st minute, Morata scored the one and only goal in this match after a misplaced boot by Provedel landed to Vlaovic, who played it to Locatelli, who slotted Morata in with a short pass and the Spanish finished no problem whatsoever. Spezia also had their chances with Giassi and Agudelo unable to beat Szczesny. Now, 
Juve extend their unbeaten Serie A streak to 15 after getting an, another Allegri-esque victory against Motta Spezia. Bro, have we been sleeping on Juve's depth? That's a good question. Um, Look at their starting 11. This is a, a decent That's a fine 11. fucking team. Yeah. I mean, we're talking Szczesny, Pellegrini, Rugani, Delict, Danilo, Rabiot, Arthur, Locatelli, Quadrado, Morata, Vlavic. That's a fine team, yes. Considering team. the players they have out, that's a decent yeah, team. With Allegri as their as their coach, exactly. You know they're bringing on Moiskin, they're bringing on Bernardeschi. I think they have great squad depth. That maybe you know with the amount of injuries they have there, bro. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players. Yeah, eight of them potentially are starters as well. Yes, and, and you can tell it's not been easy for them at all. Like, looking at this game, the stats are a little bit too close for comfort. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Even the game Spezia actually threatened on quite a few occasions. Um, but again, this is the Allegri way. You win. He doesn't care if it's sexy. He doesn't care if it's... In- what a goal, like. Sorry. Yeah. Lautaro just scored against Liverpool. So the aggregate is now 2-1. And Inter can't... Oh my God, they're going Crazy wide scenes, in that like, field. That's what, that's what the fucking hat-trick against Salernitana does. You score you a fucking crazy top corner world against Liverpool. You see? I'm sorry, guys. We're, we're recording this while watching the, the game and I got a little bit distracted over there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, no just going to have a look at this as well. Sanchez to Lautaro. Outside. Oh my God. Outside the box. You. Curler, top corner. Allison's in goal, man. You're embarrassing him. Jesus. Goes look at show, that. Man. Brilliant. That's what it does. Case in point. What the fuck were we saying? (laughs) God God knows what we're saying. Um, It's the Allegri way. Ah, yes, yes. This is the Allegri way. You win. You win ugly. It doesn't matter if it's sexy. You take the points home. And Juve have been doing that and they're climbing up and they're really cutting away from the others now from like the likes of Atalanta and Rome. They're the most informed team in Italy. I mean, 15 unbeaten matches in a row is fucking crazy, clearly. Clearly, I mean, the, the most informed team in Italy. And they're only seven points behind um, Milan, which yes. is also fucking, fucking crazy. I'm hearing many people talking about a potential Juve title charge, but I really don't see it happening, personally. I don't see it happening, um, but, but it's not out of the question, for sure. Seven points isn't, isn't crazy. It's just the, the, the thing that stops me from thinking Juve can do it is that three teams need to slip up. Yeah, that's them. the thing. And the three teams have been slipping up, sure. But they won't slip up enough. I don't think they'll, they'll slip up. And we're, this is assuming that Juve won't slip up. You know who's saying, the f- who's saying they're just going to win their last they've 10 got, games? They've you know? got loads of injuries. Exactly. It, could, it could fucking get to exactly. them. They have Champions League tomorrow as well. So yeah. that could play a part. And it's always the same thing. Like, like you look at this. Juve scored in the 21st minute. Mm-hmm. You can tell that match was ending 1-0. One 1-0 nil. One yeah. nil or like 1-1 one, one unless they get <laughs> you, you know what that does? Like, like I, get, I get how, you know, oh, Inter just got a red card. <laughs> I need to stop <laughs> watching <laughs> this game. Oh, well done, Sanchez. Well done, you twat. <laughs> but you know what these 1-0 victories do? Like, obviously, I agree with Allegri. A 1-0 victory is enough. I get it. You don't need yeah. to win fancy. All right, you've got fans and, and the Agnelli family not too upset. Um, but they get the three points and they, and they have been doing so for a while now. But they pick up yellow cards. Their players are, are getting the bad end of the 50-50s. You know, in competitive matches like that when there's only one goal in it, players are going to get booked. Players are going to get injured. For sure. Players are going to get fatigued. They're going to run more. They're going to defend more. Like, it's not sustainable, I would think. I agree with you 100%, bro. Um, I need to highlight as well Morata's professionalism, man. Ever since Vlaovic arrived, he did 
the opposite of what most people would do when you hire a rival competitor in your position. You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, he has improved his game ever since Vlaovic. He's using Vlaovic as a quality teammate to mm-hmm. improve his own game. And that's respectable, you know. Morata can be slated for his finishing. He can be slated for his streakiness. You know, Steve mentioned last yeah. time. Um, he told us that he he's surprised Morata didn't make oh, the, that's a good the streaky shout. 11. That's, that's, a, that's a great show. But, but Cholito is the, the man, yeah, of course, yeah, for the, yeah, for the for position. Sure. But yes, his professionalism can never be questioned. He's a he's a proper professional, uh, probably a pleasure to coach. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and I think him being utilized further out wide as well does get him away from mm. away from goal over there. And and he's gonna you know he's he's fast. He's got a good work ethic as well. He's good in the final third. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's good at finishing and has a good shot on him. But he can find Vlaovic. He, yes. I feel like he has a good partnership with him going on over there and a good makeshift as well whilst obviously Chiesa and Dybala are, are out injured definitely definitely um, Dybala is out for how long bro? I'm not sure um, I, I don't think it's it's too it's too serious though let me, let me have a look do you, over here. do you see him as a staple of the, for this Juve team? I do I do I, I think he he brings flair to their to their game and I think especially when he plays behind Vlaovic we saw him linking up with him brilliantly. So this mm-hmm. new look kind of Juve with, with both Dybala and Vlaovic in the side is a very, very fucking dangerous one. Would you break the bank to keep him? Would you give him something like 7 million, 8 million a year, whatever? I don't know how much he's asking for. Um, I, I, I would potentially, just, just knowing that, that Juve's finances are a bit, you know, that Juve are a richer club than most of the Serie A teams, I would give him 8 million a season to, to keep him Dybala. I think he's a star, man, but I think he's very, very good. And I have a different opinion there, my brother. Okay. I wouldn't it. do it, man. I would get, a, I would reinvest in two players or perhaps one player, whatever, one great player. Um, mm. That can actually consistently be on the pitch. How old is the ball nowadays, man? The ball. He, he must be, be 27 now. Ooh, he's 28. Yeah, 28. He's 28. You know, he's a 28-year-old guy who has the injury record of a youth that player. That changes you know what I mean? my opinion. That is not an 8 million. 8 but, million you know, he's, he's in his player. prime. That's he is the in thing. his prime. When he plays, when he's on and not injured, of course, he's one of the best in the league. Don't what, get me wrong. What's, but what's, what's the point of having a player in his prime if he's always injured, man? Exactly. That, that's, that's the way I view it. But, you know, the Juve fan base is totally split on this. There are some people who are pro Dybala, some people who are anti Dybala, quite mm. frankly. Um, yeah, I, I would be anti if you were. Martin. It's it's well, it's it's romantic. Eh? I think we were so pro Cutrone when Cutrone was at Milan. We're <laughs> like that's we're selling Cutrone to get this Leao guy. What's going on? You remember that? We're shit. selling our soul. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a different story. You know, that's the classic flipper primavera boy. Like you know, mm, I guess you, you get a guy. You have you got him for zero, and mm. you're selling him for twelve million randomly. And you know what's he done since? That was a good mm. piece of business. Well, but the ball is a totally different story. We're talking about your alleged star player. You mm-hmm. know, the guy who's meant to be your difference maker. I get, I get that. I get that. And looking at his age now and seeing that there's not much room for him to grow and, and improve as as a as a footballer, then I wouldn't pay him that amount of money to keep him at the club. I, I totally understand you there and I agree with you. You know, it would be a move and a half by, by you because apparently Inter are interested. Yes, yes. How much would they be. fucking charge Inter? Do you think that they'll tell him like... The ball ah, is set. running down his contract. He might go to Inter for free. Oh, God. That's the trend nowadays. Oh, Everyone's God. fucking doing that. 
That would be fucking insane. Like, can you imagine the scenes if that happens? I would love for it. <laughs> I would love to see it as well. Why not? Why not? It's not often we get to see Juve get shafted oh, like that. Oh, God, what does that mean for Chalanoglu? Probably the nothing. Bala goes probably to... nothing. You know, they're just... They'll probably play the ball as a uh, striker. Front, uh, exactly, alongside Lautaro. Uh, alongside Lautaro or, like, or, or something. But they'll, yeah. they'll slot him in. That wouldn't be a... They'll sell a couple of shirts and then flip him after two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the case. Um, so, one guy I really want to highlight is Quadrado. He's going to be 34 in May. He's Juve's most versatile player. And he's their quickest player. And he's one of the quickest players in the league. Bro, yeah. man can fucking run. He can run, he can Man run. can run, and he can play right wing, he can play right back, he can play right wing back, he can play right midfield. Anywhere on the right, you slot him in. We've seen him in a three at the back as well when, when the Juve were fucked up with injuries last yes. season. Tactically, he's very disciplined, even though he plays like an undisciplined player when it comes to his, his mm. technique, you know, because he has that like South American sauce about yeah, his game. So he seems a bit reckless, but no, he's very calculated. And um, they interviewed the referee recently i believe it was earlier the season and he said mm. that quadrado is the hardest player to referee like because because you never know if he's diving you never know mm. if he's been fouled he always looks like he's been fouled always, bag, yeah. eh? uh, no he's he's insane quadrado and he's been a servant of the club for so many years now and, and you know ever since so he was at fiorentina before and then then he had um, was that before or after his move to chelsea um, ever since he moved from chelsea he's been a star that's right. I think I believe he was at um, at Chelsea after he was at Fiorentina. Yes, yes. I think he went from Fiorentina, Chelsea, Juve. Fiorentina, Chelsea, Juve. Exactly. Oh, he was at Udinese. Yeah, I remember him at Udinese. 2009-2012. Mm-hmm. Well, 20 appearances. So I'm going to start talking about Spezia a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Well, I just have one point to make. Do you remember when Spezia won three matches in a row? Mm-hmm. They lost four in a row now. Classic. They only picked up a single point in February and away draw to Salernitana, that yes. was. I feel the need to apologize to Spezia a little bit. There's always some romantic thing going on between you and Spezia. It's Every episode you're case. apologizing, you're grilling them. The thing is, I, I loved them <laughs> last year, right? Under Italiano. Uh, under Italiano, they were amazing. But the thing is, when they hired Motta, it's more of an anti-Motta stance than an anti-Spezia stance. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be said, Motta has had good games this season, of course. Um, I am a big fan of a few of their players like Verde, Agudelo I like Maggiore a lot I love Simone Bastoni I adore Provedel I think he's so I like Reca as well Provedel Mm. Provedel is is fantastic too Um, and they're doing this on top of having a a transfer ban you know so So at the end of the day, you know, they're doing quite well. It's just a shame that they have Thiago Motta. <laughs> <laughs> You've come around. I've well, come around, yes. I have come to the conclusion mm-hmm. that I know which three teams are getting relegated. Really? Which ones, yep. bro? And Spezia yeah, do not make that list. I, I want to give you that much. So you, the three that are currently in the relegation pool right so now. So the three that are currently in the relegation pool right now. However... If Venezia don't get relegated, Sampdoria will get relegated. I'll put that, that, that's what I think. I can't put money on it Whoa. because I still think Venezia are going to go down. But if they don't, I reckon Sampdoria will go down, man. They might. I don't think they will personally. I think they have too many seasoned Serie A players to the point that they can grind out a few results. And that's essentially the difference. You know, This is what I wanted to highlight today um, about Venezia. Venezia made the very amateur mistake of bringing in only foreign players. 
Yes, they don't yes. have much say uh, experience we, we, at all. We spoke about this on episode at the beginning. one. Yes, episode yes. one we spoke about this that Caldara is their most experienced player. Now all right, they've got Nani and Romero, but you know what are you talking about, Nani and Romero? Yeah. You know you need Serie A veterans. You, you need Candreva. You need exactly. Caputo. Fucking Rincon wouldn't have been exactly. a bad shout for, for fucking you need Venezia. Some, you need guys who know the you league. Get Cuisance. Like, Cuisance is play great. Dirty. But but he's a young prodigy who you know, yeah, get some experience. He's alright as a wild card. That's yeah. the thing. But anyway, um, anything so, else from this game? Just gonna conclude this. You are now four points behind Napoli, five points behind Inter, and seven points behind Milan. Whereas they're six points ahead of Atalanta. Spezia, on the other hand, are four points from the drop and are looking to be in some serious serious danger. The next game we're going to be covering is Roma 1, Atalanta 0. A flying object could be seen burning through the atmosphere above the Olympic. <laughs> I'm not sure what that was, probably a, an asteroid or some, of some sort, you know, that was, that was definitely interesting and it made the news. I, I recommend you, you Google the image, it was crazy. Some are saying that it's one of Zlatan's penalties flying through, <laughs> flying through the air. It's obviously the Salamakers shot, bro, from the Napoli game. <laughs> it has to be the Salamakers shot. Yeah, man, unfortunately. Fuck me, that miss was horrible. Okay, so Roma won their last game against Atalanta earlier this season, but had failed to win any of the previous seven before that. Whoa. Yeah. Two wins in a season versus Atalanta for Roma. The last time that happened was in 2012 um, when they won 2-0 and 3-2. Now, Roma lined up with their usual lineup. There was Mkhitaryan in the double pivot this time. Okay. But Zal- and the youth left-back Zalewski took the helm. Yeah, he was good. He was really I good. He was really good. Even Karstorp was quite good. Yeah, he hurt. He got injured, right? Uh huh. I, I don't yeah. know if he got subbed out on them, but yeah, we'll we'll double check that shortly. Um, Atalanta lined up with Musso on goals: Apacosta, Palomino, Demiral, and Hatteber. Hatteber is back and has been playing quite well, to be honest with you. Freuler and Darun in the double pivot. Um, Pasalic, Coop, Miners, Pessina, and Miranchuk up front. You know their lack of a striker is. Yes, they're yes, really feeling it right crazy. now. Crazy. Always the same. The, the same choice thing. to remove Piccoli was really odd. Even though he's injured right now as well. My God. <laughs> so had he stayed, he would have still probably been injured. Now, in the thirty-second minute, it happened. Feast your eyes, heathens. <laughs> <laughs> Mourinho's away, and the Giallorossi come out to play. An open play goal. I repeat, an open play goal. <laughs> Roma scored an open play goal against Atalanta, and it was a really good one. <laughs> Karsdorp hoofed a long ball to Zaniolo who took it a magnificent touch and passed it to Abraham who awkwardly dribbled past his man and f- finished very cleanly okay that was a great great goal over there what the, a goal man the eye of Karsdorp you know to just boot the ball upfield to Zaniolo the like that Zaniolo's touch was amazing it was top class um, and then Abraham did really well a proper you know strikers finish over there I um, feel like you don't normally praise Zaniolo He's had a good spell right now. Would you mm-hmm. praise him? Of course would I would. Yes, yes, yes. I think Zaniolo is a very good player and I think the way he's handled his double ACL there has been My God, extraordinary. What you a know? nightmare scenario for How him. How did he deal with it? He, he got jacked. Bro. That's what he did. He has tore his ACL twice and he's got just jacked. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> his legs on medicine balls like and he's just fucking pumping out a hundred push-ups. <laughs> watching out our Roma on his TV. <laughs> <laughs> Watching Chiesa succeed. Exactly. Berardi fighting first place in Italy. 
you know, Italy won the Euros without him. He's just exactly. fucking lifting, you know. <laughs> it's either that or eating chocolate. Like exactly, exactly. But anyway, the right one. In the 93rd minute, the room got a double yellow for a foul and descent and got sent off. In the 95th Stop, minute, no. M- Mkhitaryan um, got sent off for his second yellow. Now, all jokes aside, of course, Mourinho has Atalanta figured out, even though he was not on the sideline for this game. Um, low block, counter, it worked flawlessly for the second time against them. Roma exploited the space on the flanks and countered through those channels. Karsdorp and Zalewski, as we mentioned, did a great job at that, even though Karsdorp doesn't always look very refined. You know, yeah. Quite frankly, sometimes he looks a bit shaky, but um, he played really well today. That's what I liked about Zalewski. I feel like he doesn't have much experience starting for Roma or playing or getting you know significant minutes for Roma. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he was tasked with this assignment, just like, this is our system, you have to play it. He went in, and I feel like that's what he did. I feel like yeah. he went forward really well, he contributed to the attacking side of things. Fuck me, bro, I am freezing, I don't know what's going you're, on. You're cold, man. I'm feeling so cold. Yeah. Um, it's a shame we don't afford heating. <laughs> <laughs> we just haven't replaced the batteries. <laughs> of the AC <laughs> remote, remote. We're the worst. Um, but uh, I think I think he had an assignment. He stuck to it, and I think he was impressive. As he, has he was, he was, he was. He's the latest youth product to be entrusted by Mourinho. You know, it has to be said we criticize Mourinho a lot over here. But when it comes to his choices of youths to promote, they're always ready. They're always determined, and quite frankly, they always make the difference for him. I want Drogba. Yeah, <laughs> give me Drogba, Mr. Abramovich. <laughs> 20 years old, um, this Zalewski. He was born in Italy, but has featured for the Polish national team. Okay. Like yes. So he plays for Poland? or for Yes, yes, oh, okay. he plays for the, for the Polish national team. Well, at least he has one senior appearance, I believe, for them. Okay. Yeah. Atalanta, bro, are they a top four team in Italy? Um, I'm going to say no. And it's going to be my first no for ages because I always thought Atalanta would be able to do it because they're yeah. such a dangerous team. They're the most frightening and threatening team in the league, in my opinion, mm-hmm. alongside Inter. Um, are they still the most frightening and threatening team? Not right league? now, for sure. Mm-hmm. Not right now, for sure. So they have now dropped 20 points in January. And it is a result of their injuries, but I do think that aside from their injuries, they need to figure some shit out. Because I think they they got Boga on board and they don't quite know where he's going to fit in. And it's looking weird with injuries. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they're having to play Miranchuk and Pessina and, and Pukmainers and front. Pasalic yeah. up front. It's fucking crazy. So they're definitely a weakened side. Yeah. I think aside from the injuries, I think they do need improving because they're not consistent at all. Yeah. Um, so they're not a top four team this season. Yeah, um, fair enough, especially with Juve's um, resurgence. You know, had Atalanta started off the season like this, you know, you swap Juve and Atalanta around, how they started off and how they're doing right now. Mm. We'd be saying that Atalanta are, are the top four team and Juve aren't. Literally, you know? literally. So if you look at it on a grand kind of season per mm. scale, you know, you could say they are. Um, yeah, and they just came off a 4 win against Sampdoria. So you can't even say that they're like tragic, you know. No, but yeah. that, those were like the only significant points they, yeah. they picked up. Yeah. They, they were drawing and losing and drawing true. and losing. That's true. Yeah, um, unfortunately, their depth has really taken a, a hit. Yeah. You know, um, they let Gossens go. You know, their injuries and all that. So of course, they, they are looking weakened right now. I would say that you are right right now. Um, they are not currently a top four team, and right now they are the underdog when it comes to qualifying for yeah. Champions League. 
So and we'll they need to they be do. careful because Lazio are fucking coming up and Roma are coming up. I believe Roma are ahead of them now, man. Roma are on points, like same points. Atalanta have a game in hand, 47 Roma, points. Roma win on direct encounter. Oh, yes, 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 you're so right. So I know Atalanta have that game in hand, which is probably a lot yeah. more significant than that right now. Um, True. Lazio one point off, lingering, you know. You're right. Fiorentina on again, 43. For Fiorentina for on 43, mm. yes, yes. You're right, it is cold, huh? It's fucking freezing, man. <laughs> so excuse us if we're, if we're shivering a little bit. Now I'm going to hit you with a few stats. <laughs> Do it. All right. 19. Do you know what that number signifies, man? Yeah. Piontek on form at Milan. No. <laughs> no, 19 recoveries by Mkhitaryan this game. One fourth Jeez. of Roma's recoveries. Roma what had 80 re- recoveries and Mkhitaryan had 19. Like, so he's one off a quarter of What that. a fucking monster. Yeah. He's by no means, of course, a defensive player. And I, I'd never seen him play in a double pivot before. But damn, he was good. Um, I think we'll be seeing more of him in that role. At least not in the next game because he has a suspension to serve, of course. But mm-hmm. I'm totally surprised by this, bro. Yeah, but then at the same time, Roma are stacked in, in their midfield. You know what I mean? They have very two... They have Cristante, they have But Mkhitaryan's, Mkhitaryan's qualities are unique when it comes to all those players. True, no one's true, quite like true. him. No one sees the game the same it's way true. he does. It's true. He carries the ball forward really well. Like he, he does. He is he does. their source for doing that. Him and Zaniolo, I feel, really take the ball forward well together. Yeah, he can drive very well. Um, seven. Seven shots for Atalanta on this one, despite their 64% ball possession. This is really low, of course. In the reverse fixture, Atalanta had 17 shots and 72% ball possession. So Atalanta got worse, Roma got a bit better. Um, and that basically led to them having only seven shots. That's really low. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think they... You know, they've got players like Malinowski, Coop Miners. Yeah. Take a few hits. Take a few hits, man. You know Smack I mean? it. <laughs> Kumbulla from zero to hero. Mourinho threw the 22-year-old Albanian under the bus and he ended up driving it. He's been so good. Let me tell you what, he is is no Michael Schumacher behind the wheel. But boy, can he drive. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? I really hope you enjoyed that. (laughs) It's the worst. Of course, 20 goals for Tammy Abraham this year, 13 in the league. Um, considering the amount of times he struck the post at the beginning of the season, you know, he could have been on way more as well. And I'm out here talking smack about <laughs> You're out here going, like, could be doing it better in his first season. Now, now, just to make sure that you understand how ridiculous that is, I have a few stats, bro, for you here. Okay. Um, Montella, in his uh-huh. first season at Roma, scored 21 goals. Mm-hmm. Abraham's one off, like. <laughs> but the suit are the same. So those are some crazy names, you know, he's, he's putting up with over there, you know. He's My point was simple. Yeah. I do get that the argument yeah. sounds hilarious when you, when you bring up stats like that. But I think there was a long period where he was not off form, but he just wasn't finding the net. Yes, like he yes, was yes. very, 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 very unlucky. But, you know, he was... And I think sometimes if you're really unlucky, to... you just need to, you know, yeah. blame yourself a little bit and, and train harder. Fair enough, but he was a goals. victim of a, of a poor system, you know. But anyway. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But, but the argument was Roma weren't scoring from open play. Tammy wasn't scoring from open play. I think as a striker, Tammy should step up and I think he should start getting those goals. Fair enough, fair enough. And he's gotten those goals, which is hilarious. But I think yeah. there was a long, significant period where they didn't. Yes. Um, I can swim. Penguins can swim. Therefore, I am a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> talking about penguins <laughs> Roma bro momentarily leap 
Um, Atalanta due to head-to-head, both on 47 points, six points over Juventus in that fourth Champions League spot. Crazy, oh, crazy, crazy. We will wait and see what happens because we're not going to keep making predictions every mm-hmm. single episode. The Roma derby still needs to come up, eh? I believe it does, yes. Let's, that's, let's uh, check what that's that is. That's a fucking sexy one. I imagine we just fucking pull one off and we'll go watch it. <laughs> You're taking the piss. Now we'll, go. We'll, we'll go watch the Roma derby. Ah. That's mental. No, no. I'm in. I'm tight, I'm tight. <laughs> so am I, but fuck it. It's too soon, bro. It's, it's in, on the 20th March. Ah, so Roma the tickets out, yeah. are out. They're out, they're out. So we'll take a look, but um, no promises, of course. <laughs> um, yes, that's pretty much it, bro. So we'll head over to the next game, which was Cagliari losing at home to Lazio, the score of 3-0. So the reverse fixture was a memorable 2-2 draw. It was crazy scenes, I remember. Um, Lazio are on a good run of form in the league. However, they are coming off a devastating last-minute loss against Napoli, which could have shot them up to fifth place, potentially. So they'd be disappointed about that. Cagliari, on the other hand, coming into this game, only lost one of their last eight, which was an away loss to Roma back in January. Otherwise, they have four wins against Samp, Bologna, Atalanta and Torino, and they have draws against Napoli, Empoli and Fiorentina. However, Lazio come into this game unbeaten against Cagliari in 15, in which they have 12 wins and 3 draws. That is the Bianco Celesti's longest active unbeaten streak against a single team in Serie A. So the play-by-play, in the 17th, the ref had to revert to VAR to spot the handball of Altare after a Luis Alberto shot, which resulted in a penalty to Lazio. Lazio captain Ciro Mobile stepped up and sent Cranio the wrong way, his 143rd goal for Lazio, beating Piola's record for Lazio goals. And obviously, as you learned the hard way in a quiz with Luke Mintoff of our yes. podcast, bro, Piola is in fact the top scorer in Serie A history. Thank you, thank you very much for Not reminding Francesco me Totti. of that traumatic <laughs> <laughs> But anyway... Lazio 1-0 up. It was then in the 42nd minute that Luis Alberto started and ended a lovely counter-attack by Lazio dragging the ball forward before Immobile found Anderson, who squared it back to the Spanish who tapped it into the empty net. Brilliant work by Luis Alberto there. It was another counter-attack shortly after the break that saw Lazio attacking a 4v2 situation where Chiro Immobile was played through only to see his effort brilliantly saved by Cranio. Cranio, save after save after save. keeper, save. the keeper, the keeper. In the 62nd minute, Philip Anderson made Cagliari's defence look like seven-year-old blind children playing on melted butter in high heels <laughs> as he showed great composure to glide past three players before beating Cranio. No burst of pace, no unnecessary skill moves. It was very Lionel Messi. It was, it was. Slight feints and he was sending players the wrong fucking way. Drag the, the ball out wide. The composure finish. he showed was even incredible. even the finish. It wasn't a hard shot. He mm-hmm. fucking placed it. It was. He bluffed. He bluffed his way to go. Literally, it was sexy, man. Well done. So impressive win for Lazio, considering Cagliari's form. I would say Cagliari have been fucking yes, monsters. Yes. They've been really good to beat these guys three 0 is a is a away from home mm-hmm. as well, man. It's a statement. It's a fucking impressive one for them. Um, Lazio's Europe charge. What do you think of that? So let me just take a look at the table over here. Lazio have 46 points. Europa League is a target for sure. I wouldn't even be surprised if they're saying let's just win as many as possible and hope that the guys above us slip up and we manage to sneak into a Champions League spot. Right now, I think the realistic target though is the Europa League and they can totally do it. Yeah, I think that would be the realistic target. And I think 
Roma and Atalanta are going to be hard to dispossess. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. I think Atalanta are in a bad run of form. So I think we might yeah, see them One win in their further. last five, Atalanta, of mm-hmm. course. So Lazio have been great in front of goal in particular, man. Mm-hmm. They've been scoring three goals a game and they, they managed to get one past last year. Recently, it wasn't enough, obviously. But they are on form going forward. And it's no doubt, you know, they have players like Zaccani, Immobile, Philip Anderson, Pedro. Savic. Savic, Luis Alberto. Yeah. But it's good to see them finally getting goals, man. Yeah, they're finally ticking and we're seeing some shades of Sarri ball over here. You know, they're playing some really attractive football going forward, very dynamic, very fluid. The guys are understanding each other. The Luis Alberto drama is nowhere to be seen anymore. That was my next point. said midfield is working well with Luis Alberto. Yes. Who would have thought? Initially was not a preferred choice for Maurizio Sarri. Do you think yeah. Sarri is now a fan of his work? He's always said that like he had one quarrel with Luis Alberto and that's it. And that the media talked about something that basically never really existed. So that could have been the case. Maybe they didn't get along, but you know, in a professional environment, both are winning. Yeah, that's so. So I think they might as well continue in serenity. But do you think we'll see him on the market come summer? Hmm. Uh... Unless Luis Alberto pushes for it, I don't, I, I don't see Sarri forcing him out. Um, I think he'd stay another season, to be honest with you. Well, he was very close to leaving last mm. summer as well. He was linked back and forth with Milan. I remember those period true. as well. That'd be interesting. He's a very good player. Mm-hmm. So Maybe playing him as, a, as an attacking midfielder. He's, uh, that, that might work. He has always spoken about um, playing in Spain, huh? so I wouldn't be surprised if he went there. The Spanish, him and Ruiz, they'll both him end up Ruiz, in Spain yeah. in the future. They all want to play for Barca or Real these yeah. days. <laughs> um, Cranio was fucking insane again for Cagliari. Mm-hmm. He conceded three, but he pulled off a fantastic save there. Yes. Maybe he's he unlucky that Donnarumma exists. <laughs> it's true. You know, because he, he could be a contender for that spot in the future. Mm-hmm. He's been so good for them, man. Um, and you know this isn't the first season he's showing it and he's a young guy and what do you think this summer in particular holds for him I I'm, I'm just out here trying to predict summer at this point yeah you're just, <laughs> just thinking about summer 2022 <laughs> baby um, Cranio the thing is I look at the big teams in Italy and not many of Inter have that Onana thing going on mm-hmm. I it's see a, a vacancy potentially opening up at Juventus and Juve, if they look domestically, there aren't many better keepers oh than Cranio. If they got Cranio, Jesus. I, I see it happening, to be honest with you. I, I can see that happening. But anyway. It's interesting to see as well if the Handanovic of the Onana thing goes through. It will, it will go through it most will, likely. Apparently, it, it's it's all done. Like Because mm, it's been apparently all done for like two no, months. He, he can't join the middle of the season, right? So, do you think this will stop Cagliari's momentum for a while? Maybe this this loss. They seemed fatigued. They seemed angry. Um, I think their desire to survive is too strong, and I think they'll continue fighting. Let me just see their next few games. Who they're against? So they have Spezia up next, followed by Milan, Udinese, Juve, Sassuolo, Genoa. Um, Verona, Salernitana, Inter and Venezia They can definitely pick up points from those games They can get quite far away from the relegation pool If they keep their form up Mm. Um, Especially the next game against Spezia You're looking to win that of course Then there's Milan and smaller sides have shown up with a low block You can get points off of Milan Um, Udinese again are a team they can totally beat You know. Yeah but 
They are tough games nonetheless. They're tough games for sure. Every game right now in Italy is a tough game. They're tough um, games nonetheless. I think, to be honest, when they're on Cagliari, they win games. They do. They do. So and and they have been somewhat on recently. They've been on fire, obviously barring this game. So I think they'll they'll take that form. Like they'll they'll go past Udinese. They'll they'll go past Spezia. But then maybe in the Milan games they might suffer some setbacks. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. But yeah, that leaves Lazio in seventh, one point behind Atalanta and Roma. Cagliari is still with a lot of work to do in 17, three points ahead of Venezia, who have a game in hand, and one point behind Spezia and Sampdoria. The next match took place in Florence between Fiorentina and Verona and ended 1 1. Um, this was the eighth and ninth team facing off against each other. We could see the fans paying an homage to a story. Um, it was the anniversary Beautiful. of his death. You could see DA13 everywhere. That was pretty nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Fiorentina make it five matches unbeaten in a row against Verona. Verona's last win against Fiorentina came back in 2019, courtesy of a Samuel Di Carmine strike. That's what? a cult hero over there. Verona are yet to keep a clean sheet on the road in this campaign. Whoa. <laughs> and Verona are unbeaten in their last four games. This was Fiorentina's second league game in a row without a victory. Now the way Fiorentina lined up, the classic Italiano 4-3-3 with Terracciano in goal, Venuti, the scorer of the own goal against Juventus, terrible scenes for him in the Coppa Italia, mm-hmm. uh, Milinkovic, Igor and Biragi at the back, Castrovilli, Torreira and Malek in the middle, Icone, Piontek and Saponara up front. For Hellas Verona, it was the usual 3-4-1-2 with Montepo in goal, Cesale, Gunter and, please help me, <laughs> Ceccarini Ceccarini at the back Lazovic, Illich, Tameze, Faroni in the middle um, With Caprari as the Czech artist And Simeone and Lasagna up front Now the first goal came at the 10th minute From Christoph Piontek The ball fell to the Polish striker Inside the area after Ikona's shot was deflected Piontek lifted the ball into the air And volleyed it home Pum 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 on, on the turn man Incredible What a goal What a goal It only took Verona 10 minutes to equalize thanks to a Gianluca Caprari penalty. Reckless defending by Milenkovic over there who cleared Lasagna out of the box instead of the ball. Caprari (laughs) rolled it down the middle for his 10th league goal of the season. Kevin Lasagna broke away one-on-one with the keeper, but Terracciano came out well to save it. Kevin should have probably done better over there. Um, He's not very good in front of a goal. He's kind of like an even worse like Morata when it comes to finishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Torreira also skied the ball in front of goal um, when Callejon squared it to him. He missed another one shortly, this time when Sotil played it to him. He shot it out wide. Um, these were two chances right in front of the goalkeeper, bro. They were probably easier to score than to miss. Like, And he missed them right after each other. Torreira has never been rated for his shooting. I'm, I'm wondering, why the fuck is he getting on the end of these? They have so many players, so many competent finishers in this team. You know, even Malek can finish well, mm-hmm. like... That's like, true. why is Torreira charging into the box? But anyway, <laughs> um, triple substitution in the second half um, by Italiano. He wasn't happy with what he saw at all. He brought on Duncan, Sotil and Callejon for Male, Saponara and Icone. Whoa. Yes, but none of the teams could break the deadlock and it ended 1-1. So, bro, 50-50 possession, eight shots for Fiorentina, two for Verona, but they had 2-2 each on target. Was this a fair result? I would say so. I don't think either of the teams did enough to show that they could dominate the other. I think, you know, you look you look at these stats, that's a clear draw. Yeah. I know that the total shots, Fiorentina did get more shots away, 
Yeah, but it's the same on target, you know, too, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, these are basically two coaches, bro, who have worked wonders with their teams, right? Um, mm-hmm. These two teams are completely transformed from last year. Of course, Verona were actually pretty good last year too under Juric, but um, they continued to do so against all odds with Tudor. Um, yes, uh, what, what do you think, bro, of these guys next year? Verona next year? Yeah, Verona and Fiorentina next year. It's, it's so interesting because Verona... Like last season, I was saying, whoa, they're going to be insane next season. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because they yeah. did so well. And then they had a whole preseason together under a manager. And they were going to come out. And yeah. they were going to be even better. Um, and we saw that they were slipping up constantly towards the beginning of the campaign. Yeah. So you can never predict what's going to happen next season. Definitely you, you, not. You can no. never say how, how it's going to go. But... I, I do think that with Tudor, then they have a they have a project going on, yes. and I think that could help them having a pre a full preseason with him, and they could be fighting for Europe next season. And the way it works with Verona, they don't really have any like standout star players that the big clubs might go after, bar the like <coughs> Antonin Barak maybe at most is the player that clubs might go after. Um, so this is a group that can really stick together potentially, unless they get raided by other mid-table clubs. But I don't think they'll budge. For them, but I think that um, Verona do view themselves as kind of a cut above the rest when it comes to the mid-table teams. I think they they see themselves as one of the more stable ones, one of the ones that you know there there are a few certainties next season. So I think I think they'll be okay. Fiorentina are an exciting one to keep an eye on. It's interesting to see how they're gonna handle the market, their first market together. Yeah. We saw as well not their first market together. We saw in January they signed up Piontek, they signed up Cabral. They signed up Ikone as well. Yeah. So I think they're willing to, you know, break the bank a little bit, maybe do some clever trading. Something with the defence, maybe. Bring something. in a centre-back or something. A new midfielder, perhaps. For sure. I think a midfielder that contributes a little bit yeah. more than the ones they have. Um, maybe sell a player as well, you know. Maybe they can get rid of Castrovilli for someone else, even though he's he's improved a little bit lately. Yeah. Castrovilli is a bit of their, like, Romagnoli in midfield. Yeah, exactly. He's the midfield <laughs> Romagnoli. Exactly. Um, what do you make of Torreira's misses in front of a goal? We spoke about them a little bit. Should a professional football player be able to score those? Yes, is is my answer. Like I, I was saying, I, he's never been known for his shooting. Yeah. But you at least have to hit the target, man. Yes. Like, place it. Hit it with your instep. Just yeah. try to place it. Don't just fucking hit it and hope for the best. He's trying to hit it as hard as possible. If you were Italiano, who would you tell him? <laughs> well, I'll... I'll Keep him on the training field two hours longer, practicing his shots. I'll stay there laying shots up for him. Um, but otherwise, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll need to find a replacement, someone that can actually hit the ball. Because shooting okay. is an Even though his other qualities are, are so good. like Yes, I think, but uh, like they are good. But I think still that Torreira could be replaceable for yeah. Fiorentina. Potentially, potentially. Okay, uh, which of these teams finishes ahead of the other? Ooh, between Fiorentina and Verona. Yes, sir. I would say I need to see what their fixtures are looking like to be honest but of instinct I would say Verona might do it really? I think uh, I would I think say Verona Fiorentina might do it a bet a bet um, I don't know if I'm willing to bet like because Fiorentina can turn it up okay fair enough no weird to have a bet Fiorentina are more consistent the immobile Vlavic bet for those who don't know yeah exactly I'm winning you're winning so far, exactly, because he said Vlaovic would finish top scorer, I said Immobile would. Vlaovic's joy is my joy. Exactly. Now, 
Um, that is it for this game. I just want to mention that Fiorentina sit in eighth with 43 points, three points off a conference league spot with a game in hand, and I think it's against Salernitana. Verona sit ninth with 41 points. The next game we're going to be covering is Sassuolo's away victory against Venezia with a score of 4-1. So considering Sassuolo's form against the bottom half, this was an impressive 4-1 away victory, you know what I mean? They normally drop points in a setting like that. The only previous meeting these sides ever had was in the reverse fixture of this season's Serie A campaign, where Sassuolo won 3-1. Venezia only won one of their last 13 matches, which was a win against Torino, and since then have picked up the fewest points in Serie A, with 7 points in 13 matches. Sassuolo, on the other hand, unbeaten in 4, now won 3 wins in a row after their home draw to Roma. Before that, they lost 4 in the relegation battler Sampdoria. So like, what the fuck, you know? Um, so in the second minute, Raspadori opened the scoring after intercepting Svoboda's clearance and fainted to absolutely floor Matteo and Romero before just slotting it in. It's his ninth goal of the season now. In the 15th minute, VAR detected a handball by Aramu in the box, leading to a penalty which was converted by Berardi, although Romero did manage to get his body behind the ball and he parried it into the back of the net. I had Aramu on my work fantasy football this game, he got oh. me a 2. <laughs> I was against Aramu, Dream oh, has yeah. Aramu and he got a 2 and I absolutely killed him. In the 29th minute, another penalty was awarded to Sassuolo, but this time the referee didn't need VAR as Romero and Berardi collided. It was very clumsy by the Argentine. I think the most clumsy thing is was the actual decision of coming out at that area and, and pressing him so much. Could have come out like a couple of feet and just stood there and stood his ground. Scamacca made no mistake from the spot as he went straight down the middle and that's his 11th goal of the season. Four penalties this game. Yeah, three for Sassuolo and one for Venezia. And it was really exciting preparing for this game, man, just seeing how people hit penalties. And then after that, Venezia got one back in the 34th minute from a Tomas Henry header after Matteo and Okereke linked up well down the wing, leading to a beautiful cross by Matteo and an even better header by Henry. It was then in the 79th minute that Venezia thought the dream comeback was on the table after Insame managed to slot the ball past Consigli, only for the goal to be ruled offside. Poor Insame, that would have been his first Serie goal. Yep, and it could have even potentially led to a historic comeback for Venezia that helped them survive this season. Well, not really, but in the 84th minute, Sassuolo were able to get themselves another penalty after Raspadori was brought down by Svoboda. Berardi converted again, but again Romero tracked his penalty down. It's getting ridiculous now, you know, the third penalty, you know yeah. what I mean. It was then a minute later... Reckless defending all over. Yep. It was then a minute later, bro, that Venezia got themselves a penalty. Hmm. And yes. Consigli managed to save Aramu's attempt. It was a yeah. brilliant, brilliant save by Consigli. We can't stop praising him here. For sure. He's one of the, the better keepers in the league as well. Um, it's a shame he's in his 30s. He's... Um, yeah, I think he's around 32. He's 35. Oh, my <coughs> God. So, yeah, big move is off the cards for him, but we can enjoy him at Sassuolo while he, while he stays there. Yeah, he's nice at Sassuolo. Yeah, I he's like good. Him. He's good. Um, poor Aram, I felt very bad for him. He deserved the goal this game. He was... You know, he played he pretty good, well. man. Yeah. <laughs> he was making the difference for Venezia. He was the guy trying shit out and, and playing balls forward and having a goal. goal. Yeah. So... It's unfortunate. He, he puts in a shift like that and he ends up giving away a penalty and missing one yeah. himself as well. Yeah. 
Bro, I think that Sassuolo's patience with Dionysi is really paying off now. It is, it is, you're right. You're absolutely right. They they finally gained some momentum. They're beating the sides they should beat. Of course, this season, they can't look at it as a as a flop of a season, you know, as a failure. They beat the top sides, you know, they made history, technically. Yeah. No, so this did. is a good foundation for them. It's a shame they had to go back to year zero because mm-hmm. they had a good thing going, but they sold a few of those key pieces and now they're going to need to start all over again. It seems like that gap between the defense and the midfield that was so evident towards the beginning mm-hmm. of the campaign is gone. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And what do you think would be the source of that? Do you think that perhaps it would be the fact that Ihan is starting? I am a hater of Kirikes. Kirikes okay, yes, wasn't great. I, I think Kirikes is a bit of a clumsy defender. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's to Sassuolo standard even. Um, Ihan has been better. He's Turkish, no, Ihan? Um, I so. He's made a decent partner for Ferrari and things are looking better for them at the back. But I do think that they should invest in a centre-back um, for yes, next definitely. season. Especially, you know, they're going to bring in some some good cash. Mm-hmm. If Barardi goes, if Scamacca goes, if Raspadori goes, they're going to have serious money. It's <laughs> exciting to see how they're going to reinvest it, I have to say. Oh, do I have a game for you? What? Oh, do I have a game for you? The players you just mentioned, Raspadori, Scamacca and Berardi. Inter, Milan and Juve. Ooh. Who goes where? Okay, so I take Scamacca at Milan. Okay. Because Milan desperately need a striker. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could say Milan also desperately desperately need a right winger as well. <laughs> That's exactly so, what I was going to tell you. Exactly. Um, but I'd give Berardi to Juve and Raspadori to Inter. Brad, you're going to put him alongside Kies. I know what I mean, battling for that spot. Exactly. They can't utilize them both. They'll have to play one out of position. <laughs> so I'd fuck Juve over. <laughs> Raspadori no. can go to winter. Who, do you, no, think, who do you think will go where? Ah, who do I think will, go, think where? will go So where? it's it's not an, an imaginary game. Well, it, well, it, it still is okay. an imaginary game because two of them can go to the same club or none of them could go okay, anywhere. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but in a world where Inter, Milan, Juve, invest in Scamacca, Raspadori or Berardi, who gets who? Um, I think Milan would go for Berardi. Mm-hmm. Juve would go for Raspadori and Inter would go for Scamacca. That is exactly what I thought. Well done. You know, Scamacca has the whole Inter bad boy look, Raspadori has the whole Juve good boy look, and Berardi's <laughs> a right winger and Milan either right winger. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, Raspadori. Yes. So he covered a ridiculous amount of ground. His heat map was game. mental. His heat map was absolutely crazy. Google it like. Um, or we'll have it up on TikTok or some shit. We'll put it on our stories on Instagram. You can see it there. Yeah. Um, he's he's just been brilliant, eh? And I think that he's been good for the entire season. Like people have been criticizing him for not getting as many goals when he was, you know, being deployed as an attacking midfielder, as a striker, mm-hmm. as a winger. I think as a young man, he's really adapted well. Um, obviously, he had his spells where he was not as sharp and and not quite on or motivated, and he's done some questionable things. Yeah. Um, but he's been good this season, man, and he, he really has. stepped it up. Yeah, he, he really, has really stepped it 66 up. appearances for Sassuolo and 17 goals. It started in 2019. I think he's improving gradually. Mm-hmm. He's doing very well, personally. And he managed to get seven appearances for the Italian national team as well, even scoring a goal for them. So, so yeah, he's on the right path for sure. There you go. Um, so, yep, it'll be interesting to see what happens to him in the summer market now. Uh, Venezia's chances for survival. 
we discussed this, we discussed this already yeah. and, and yeah. even in this episode here I have a note saying in need of experience and, and we literally spoke yes, about that already every single episode but it's it is true Venezia need experience you know they they don't have seasoned Serie A players so it's, it was always going to be difficult for them yeah. um, if they manage to gain some momentum there is hope because some of the teams around them don't win yeah. straight up yeah. um, but it's it's looking dire Literally, literally. They're going to need some help. Um, Sassuolo now sit in 10th place, two points behind Verona. Up and up they go. Venezia, 18th, three points behind Cagliari and have a game in hand. It feels like it's been like that for a while now. Yeah. The next game took place between Bologna and Torino and ended nil-nil. Another nil-nil for me to prepare, bro. <laughs> Lucky. This was the fifth head-to-head stalemate in a row between these two sides at the Stadio Renato Dallara. Jesus. Torino's tally of nine away points was the second lowest in Serie A coming into this contest. Mm-hmm. Bologna have made the two clean sheets in the last 23 Serie A games against <laughs> Torino. So they typically always concede. So this was a, a little victory for them. Bologna mm. lined up with a 3-4-2-1 with Skorupski in goal, Sao Mauro, Medel and Teat. 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 Of course, um, the three centre-backs, typical standard stuff. De Silvestri was on the right, Schouten, Svanberg and Hickey. On the left, um, Orsolini and Sansone behind Barrow, who played up front. Arnautovic yeah. was still out for this game, but he should be back for the next one. Um, Torino lined up with a 3-4-2-1 with Berisha and Gold replacing the injured Vanya Milinkovic-Savic, Rodriguez, Bremer and Gigi at the back, Vojvoda, Mandragora, Ricci and Singo in the middle. Of course, we have Ricci um, just joining from Empoli. Yeah. Brecola and Pobego behind Bellotti. Now, the play-by-play. This was quite an action-packed game, I have to say. Torino slowly grew into the contest in the first half, enjoying plenty of possession inside Bologna's half. Torino's lack of killer instinct was once again problematic, as Lucas Skorupski denied both Singo and Gigi with two pretty good saves, it has to be said. Mm-hmm. The one of Singo was a fantastic volley, and Gigi had a header from a corner. Bologna seriously missed Arnautovic, but did get a chance before the end of the first half, as Vanberg saw his shot deflected narrowly wide, of the post, okay, very, very close mm-hmm. there to taking the lead. Um, Brecola had a big miss at the start of the second half, mm-hmm. hitting the post 1v1. He had plenty of time to tee it up once again. This was the third one like this this mm-hmm. week. We saw Verdi, we saw Salamakers, and now we saw Brecola. A lot Brecola. of time and space. A lot of time as we just take a touch, finish. Mm-hmm. The last 20 minutes of the game were very scrappy and uneventful. Both sides seemed to be prioritizing avoiding the defeat. Um, Bologna had 51% ball possession. It was six shots to Torino's 13. One shot for Bologna on target and two for Torino on target. Surely these sides, bro, are settling for a mid-table finish. I would say so. I think Bologna, with the bad spell that they had, that's their main priority. That's their main Mm -hmm. goal. That's their top objective. It's to be a mid-table team. Preferably, obviously, ninth spot, 10th spot, something like that. Um, Torino, on the other hand... I was thinking that they would have better luck than they have recently. I think they've come short on a number of occasions, so they do find themselves in that situation, but I don't think it'll be the same thing next year. I think it'll be much better. Okay, fair enough. Um, Who do you think will finish ahead of who? This was, you know, once again, they're very close in the table. Let me have a look. So we've got Bologna. We have um, Bologna in 12th, Torino in 11th. Torino ahead of Bologna by one point. Both of them have a game in hand. Look at at the um, goal difference. So you have Torino on a positive 5 and you've got Bologna on a negative Negative 10. 10. And I think that tells you everything you need to know. 
about yeah. what's gonna happen here. I think Torino will push up and Bologna will drop down. Yeah, potentially. drop down. Even though Empoli and Udinese aren't really gonna challenge them. I it's think. true. It's true. They might like maintain like a 12th spot. Maybe there's Udinese that that are like mm-hmm. pushing, pushing, <coughs> pushing, and they've got two games in hand as well. So yeah, yeah but I think aha, uh-huh, mid-table teams. Which players from these sides can make a step up, in your opinion? Certainly Ooh. a lot of talent on both sides. Nice, this is fun. I would say that, let's start with Torino. Mm-hmm. I would say that Bremer definitely deserves yes. a raise. <laughs> He's would, the most likely candidate, I think, from yeah. the lot. I would say Belotti, for obvious reasons, even though he hasn't been on, but like he came back and he's yes. been impressive again, and we all know what he's like. Sure. Um, I would even potentially give a shout to Pobega. Pobega, I agree too. I think, and then the rest are great players, but they're great players for Torino. I don't okay. think they'll go to many other teams and I would take add, charge there. I would add Singo, definitely. Singo, potentially. S- Singo, I think, could move oh, to, you're a, right, to actually, a bigger yeah, I would say Singo. And then from Bologna, I would say Aaron Hickey yes. definitely deserves one. For sure. I would say Theat could potentially deserve one. I agree. Um, but I think it stops there, man. I'm going to make the same argument I did for Torino. Those are good players, but they're good for where they are. Exactly. I don't see them taking Like, I don't think up. Musa Barrow has developed into a player that or, can or take Solini a step up. Yeah. Sus- exactly. And, exactly. So on, like. They're just constantly trying to prove themselves, these guys. Mm. Even maybe, Samara has maybe, been error prone as well. Maybe it's it it would be between Schouten and Zvamberg if there were if there was uh-huh. a debate. Like uh-huh. you could say. And I think Schouten's a little bit ahead of him right now. I would say so as well. Um, yes. Now the next point that I would like to make is about Aaron Hickey himself. He has played one thousand nine hundred and sixty-eight minutes this season, the most of any teenager in Europe's top five league. <laughs> Hot property right now, Aaron Hickey. I can see him going for a bunch. You know, I think he's going to make Bologna bank in the future, especially with so. his numbers this season as a nineteen-year-old. Crazy, mm. crazy stuff. Nineteen is mental, man. Yeah, and he's you know he wins duels. He's very good. He's very mm. assertive. Um, Juric said that Vanya started the season at a very high level, the goalkeeper, of course, Vanya Milinkovic-Savic, um, but it is clear that he has dipped, he said, basically, we'll see what happens moving forward, and Berisha looked solid. Um, would you bring Vanya Milinkovic-Savic back to the starting eleven after his injury? Uh, yes. I would too. Um, he's been quite error-prone, bro, to be honest. He's made a few mistakes in the second part of the season, but I would still continue with him personally. Oof. It's 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 a tough one, obviously, because you never want a goalkeeper that's not performing and a goalkeeper that's making mistakes. Yeah. Um, I would say he's he's shown a lot of qualities, and yeah. maybe you can take him out of the team for a while. But your goal should always be to get the guy back in full flow, because I mean he's he's a very talented goalkeeper. Yeah. So I think maybe a step aside, a rest maybe for a while, because this is his first season playing consistent football. Yeah. He's a young guy. People forget that because he looks like a fucking 34-year-old murderer. <laughs> um, Berisha's 32 years old. Now, the thing about playing Milinkovic-Savic right now, he can pull off quite a few saves and potentially even get you some money mm-hmm. in the summer. I don't see why they would continue with Berisha right now. I would even suggest at this point, you know, Bologna aren't getting relegated. If you have a goalkeeper, apparently there was a goalkeeper, a young guy, um, competing with Berisha for the starting spot. 
why not give him a shot? Yeah, you might, that, you might case, develop uh-huh. him, you know, you might fucking be able to flip him for something or potentially, you know, mm-hmm. find out you have a solid keeper at your disposal and sell Vanya. But yeah, no, I'm sure there's something in Berisha's contract that says like, yeah, he needs to play a certain amount of play. games or you give yeah. him 500,000 euros. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Literally that. That's it for this game, bro. For me, do you have anything else you'd like to highlight? Um, for me, neither side deserved the victory. It was a fair draw. Yeah, I think I think if, if it edges towards anyone, I would say Torino, but literally not by much. It's a, it's a nil-nil draw and it was that way for a very good reason. Torino sit 11th with 34 points, while Bologna find themselves in 12th with 32 points. Both teams have a game in hand against Atalanta and Inter, respectively. So the next game we're going to be covering is Udinese's 2-1 victory over Sampdoria. So prior to their 3-3 draw in the reverse fixture of the season, Sampdoria had won each of their previous five Serie A meetings against Udinese by an aggregate scoreline of 12-3. So Sampdoria normally dominate Udinese. Now listen to this, bro. There have been 258 goals in the 81 Serie A matches between these sides. 258 goals in 81 Serie A matches. Averaging a minimum of 3.2 goals per match. More goals per game than any other fixture in the history of the competition. Holy shit. Udinese <laughs> Sampdoria, who the fuck? Hey, man. <laughs> Those two mid-table sides normally fighting for 10th. Udinese are coming off two draws against Lazio and Milan, while Samp are coming off a 4-0 loss against injury-ridden Atalanta. So in the third minute, Delafoe opened the scoring after smashing the ball into the back of the net after the ball was squared to him by Pereira. Pereira just came back and He's been was really better good. than he was before he got injured. In the 12th minute, Udoji made it his second goal in as many matches after Delafoe deflect- Delafoe's deflected strike fell perfectly in front of the Italian who dragged the ball into the exposed net. Finished off cleanly. Just one minute later, the 13th minute, a long ball over the top by Maya Yoshida fell to Caputo, who had Becau jostling him for the ball, but was muscled away easily as the Italian converted. This is Becau crazy. is like a monster against Milan and exactly. then against any other team. He's, he's a string like... You know, Yoshida, it's so funny that he's, he's had such a bang average season, but That's his true. goal contributions are so high, you know, That's assists true. and goals left, right and center. It's who would have thought, well, he's having a bad season. The team is having a bad season yeah. as well. Um, in the 67th minute, Beto's header hit the crossbar, denying him an end to his goal drought. So, Udinese come off with a 2-1 win. Exact score for me. Yada, yada, yada. So, it's Udinese's first win against Sampdoria in almost four years. Like, since well, Sampdoria just always smashed Udinese, like, you know I, I had mean? no idea that Udinese were Sampdoria, were, sorry, Sampdoria were Udinese's bogey team. Hey, man. No idea, yeah. no idea. But anyway, um, we saw Jovinko making an entrance in yes. the 77th minute, but once again, he seems to find it difficult to assert himself at this level. Yeah, he seemed phased out. 35 years of age, 165 centimeters tall, 59 <laughs> kilograms, you know, it's going to be tough for him. Yeah, it is going to be tough. Especially, you know, he comes up against certain sides with those yeah. big-ass defenders. Like He misplaced half his passes when he came on. My God, man. My God. Bro, Samp are in an incredibly worrying position. An incredibly worrying position. I want to highlight that over and over. I don't you. think they need to be too worried, bro. I don't think they're going down. I think there are worse teams than but them. But you think they shouldn't be worried, man? Well, they should be worried for next season. But I think this season, they can get a few more draws and they'll be safe. 
I think they're on 26 points right now, 22. Look, the thing is, mathematically, they're in danger. But then when I look at the team they have compared to some of these other guys... But I feel like that's insignificant because they've still been losing most of their games. So but look, they beat... To Sampdoria. Yes, they, they beat, beat Tempoli. They lost know, to Milan. They lost to Milan 1-0. They lost to Spezia. That's fucking tragic. Lost to Torino. They beat Sassuolo 4-0. To... That was a nice result for yeah, it. That's that what I mean. Nice they have these wins in their locker. You know what I mean? Like Spezia aren't going to beat anyone 4-0. No, that's... You know, Venezia aren't going to beat anyone 4-0. But Spezia are then capable of getting a result. Sometimes more capable yeah. than Sampdoria, I would say. When they Mercury's in retrograde, though. <laughs> But yes, I wouldn't be too worried for them. I mean, they have they have Caputo again, Kondreva, as we said, Sensi. They have a lot of Serie A experience there. They're here to mm. stay. Well, this game, in theory, was described by many people, including the commentators' forums, as a relegation battle between yes. these two teams, which I would agree it is, but I would say that they're the two least likely candidates to go down, especially Odinese. They've got those two games in hand as well. Those are a couple Mm -hmm. of points they they can potentially pick up. So you do agree that Sampdoria are less likely to go down? They are less likely to go Um, down, but they can go down because they are incapable of getting results. But with the squad that they have, uh they they are the least likely candidates, I would say. Yes, I agree. Especially with their history, their experience. But uh Odinese are in 14th, 7 points clear from the drop and have two games in hand. Sampdoria 15th, 4 points from the drop. So the last game we're going to be discussing is Genoa nil Empoli nil. That's six draws in a row for Genoa. <clears throat> Coming into this game, Genoa had won four of their last six Serie A matches against Empoli, having gone winless against them in the previous five. So again, a streaky game over here. <laughs> Genoa and Empoli are the only Serie A sides who have not won a single match in 2022. Jesus Christ. And they had the opportunity to do so against the other. <laughs> you know? Um, Empoli have only picked up four points since the restart, the lowest in the league. Genoa had six. So Empoli have been dire. They've been really bad. Mm -hmm. So Genoa played their 4-2-3-1 formation with Sirigu in goal. Hefti, Maximovic, Ostigard and Vasquez at the back. Sturaro and Badeli in the middle. Goodmanson, Melegoni and Portanova um, behind Yeboa. Empoli. I believe it's Melegoni. Melegoni, not mm-hmm. Melegnoni. No. M E L. Melegoni. It has to be Melegoni. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Empoli played their 4-3-2-1 formation with Vicario on goal, Parisi, Luperto, Romagnoli, and Stojanovic at the back. Zurkowski, As- Arslani, and Benassi in the middle. Vera Bayrami behind Pinamonti. So the first half. Sirigu had one of the most unorthodox saves I've ever seen in my life. He moved. Right in order to dive, left on a central shot. It was it was Bayram who shot. It was a pretty good save at the end of the day. It just looked really weird. It's true. Ostig- like he could have handled yeah. it better. In the first half also, Ostegard had his header cleared off the line miraculously by Arslani following a corner. Portanova's header following some slick build-up play was also saved comfortably by Vicario. And that's the end of the first half. In the second half, Portanova cut inside and curled a fantastic effort towards goal, forcing Vicario to make a fantastic save onto the crossbar. Um, Sirigo had a good save on Bandinelli in this half too, and Destro missed two headers where he should have probably done better. Um, he had the opportunity there to shut up his coach, you know. <laughs> Was there anything else you fantastic. found fantastic right. <laughs> I realized I, I said that twice. <laughs> yes. uh, it was a fantastic game, a fantastic <laughs> nil-nil over here. <laughs> No, it was it was an entertaining nil. It has to be said. Um, both teams were fighting. You know, you could tell by the body language of the Genoa players at the end. 
and they were totally gutted to not mm-hmm. manage to get anything else. I think they seriously start, they're starting to think they're they're yeah. done. Like yeah, I think I think they they could have gotten points over here. I think on another day they could have done that. I think they are a better side than Empoli at the moment. I think Empoli have been fucking dreadful. I think they've been horrible yeah, they've in the been past really bad few games. Since really, really Benevento bad, 2.0. Like, exactly. Um, but yeah, so they're capable of and I, I really hope they turn it around. But I think Genoa do get the better of them at, at the moment. They're, they're on a mission. For sure. But They're just they're, drawing they're, everywhere they go. Yeah, they, Someone said they could play a, like under 13 team mm. at the draw. <laughs> I think Empoli will be happy with a point here. No, they, uh-huh. I think so. I think obviously Genoa. they're not in a position to, to be worried and there was a risk of losing three, then I think they'll take a point over here. Exactly, and Genoa right now are one of the toughest teams in the league to face because of the fact that they're so desperate for for points, you know. Yeah. But anyway. And they're a high-momentum team as well. This whole gig and press shit fucking yeah. exhausts teams. Man. They look like a totally different team that lost to, four in, that lost to Inter 4-0 at the start of the it's season. It's true, it's true. Um, Yes, so that's pretty much it. I feel like Genoa deserved a victory over here, but they were unlucky to not get it so wasteful in front of goal. Um, but anyway, they currently sit 19th with 18 points, 7 points from safety, while Empoli sit 13th with 32 points, 10 points from safety. So welcome back to our question segment over here to drop us a question or a hot take. You can go to say a spotlight on Instagram or Twitter. Um, we're very happy to hear from you guys. Um, we're happy to discuss pretty much anything that comes our way. Literally. The first question comes from the man, the myth, the legend himself, Joseph Portelli. <laughs> and he asks, should Kalulu be a starter alongside Tomori? Now, we already discussed this a little bit. We'll do it again. Mm. No problem. Uh, I think with um, Kier out, then yes, ahead of Romagnoli, I would say. I think he's proven to be better than him and he has certain qualities that Romagnoli doesn't have. So do you feel like Milan shouldn't invest in Botman? No, they should definitely invest in Botman. Um, I'm saying for the remainder of the season. Ah, for the remainder of the season. Definitely yes, Pierre okay. Kalulu okay. as long as Kier is out. I, um, I agree with that. Once sure. Botman comes in, then it's interesting to see Kier is pretty old yes. and he, He's coming back from an injury. It's interesting to see what will happen. I hope he stays, but it's interesting. It's Let's interesting not to forget the level he was playing at. He was playing at a very high level, but of course it's difficult to recover from an ACL injury, especially at that age. Yeah, exactly. So, and then Botman will come in and potentially Kalulu will be second choice behind those two. Yes, I, I agree. Does he deserve to be second choice? Probably not, but he's young <laughs> and he'll have to deal with it. The next question comes from our boy Steve Kolerosh and Steve, and he asks a question about his fantasy football. He says, "Who do I bench from Lautaro, Zeko, Juru, and Skamaka? I always choose the wrong three. Between who, Skamaka, Skamaka, Juru, Zeko, and Lautaro? No, you you start Lautaro every single game. That's yeah. what you do. No matter what, you start Lautaro every single game. He's throwing shade because, of course, Steve benched him and he scored the hat trick. <laughs> but no problem. He got the Zeko goals. That's mm. tough. I, what I would do is I would try to him Zeko and and Skamaka. I'd try to trade out Zeko for like a good midfielder because you have mm. too too much talent there. The Zeko Lautaro dilemmas extra. You don't need that in your life, bro. That's true. Get rid of one of them and just start. You know, Lautaro, I would say, Giroud and Skamaka every single game. We're all willing to talk, Steve, if you want to trade. I have a few interesting options. Huh? I have Messias, Brahim Diaz, Malinowski. 
So hit me up, bro. Or Solini as well, if you're a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see who I have, bro. In the midfield? Yeah, in midfield. Ooh, maybe you want to get your hands on Zaniolo, brother. I don't know, huh? Maybe if you, you want that one goal, one assist, bro, go for it. Uh, he's hot right now. You can't <laughs> deny that. Certainly not. And that's it, bro, for this week. This week, that's it. We don't have any more. Steve suggested we should probably post... Uh, a day we're, before. Yeah, that's that we're taking questions thinking. a day before. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And we'll start doing that, guys. Keep an eye out. Keep your eyes peeled. Reach out. Follow us. Rate us five stars. Do your homework. Study. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in school, whatever you're doing. And don't forget... To go to our website as well. I yes. Say. You can read our articles there. We have our podcast there. You can listen. You can see our Instagram feed over there. Matthew works really hard on Keynote <laughs> to make that shit happen. But yeah, thank you very much, guys. We love you. We'll see you all next week.